and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 460. That's right. We are talking about the wrap-up to Justice League Last Ride uh, with issues number six and uh, and issue number seven, it looks like, which uh, is a series that was cut short by an issue. But we can get into all of that and whether we thought it was warranted or not after we talk about it. So first is issue six, right? Issue six it is. All right, let's go for it. All right, so I'm going to try to do the bare bones wrap up of this, and I figure we do both issues and then we just discuss. Yeah, it works for me. I will give the, since the title page is at the end, but I happen to be there, let's go with that first. There is no escape. That is the title of this issue. Chip Zdarsky, writer, Miguel Mendonca, artist, Enrica Angelina, colors and world design letters, Derek Robertson and Diego Rodriguez, the cover. Michael Chow did the variant cover, and Katie Kubert and Michael McAllister are editors. So which one is the – actually, no, the standard cover is the one with Superman, John Stewart, and Wonder Woman? Yes, should be. Okay. Yes, all right. So that's that's the co- – yes, that's the one I have for this issue. All right, so picking up where we left off, as it been ages ago since we did this book, that we had just seemingly unsco- discovered Darkseid's master plan, which was having a whole crap ton of cl- – clones in a, some kind of clone factory down in the in the bowels of apocalypse we begin with with hal and batman dealing with this back quote-unquote dark side backup plan and of course while they're talking some somehow the gong goes off during this conversation ba- batman turns and sees that uh hal is looking quite menacing and it's it, essentially when oa blow blew up that dark side went into Hal. The essence of dark side went into Hal, almost like a parallax kind of thing. So it's not overly original. And they were using this whole scheme of protecting Lobo and everything else just to get Batman to apocalypse and whatever. But dark side, he comes out of Hal. He goes into the most fully formed clone and becomes dark side again. Hal falls to the ground, seemingly without a powering, which of course we'll talk about later on. The rest of the Justice League is fighting a whole mess. You know, what, what did we have? We had Manhunters. We had these Brainiac, Cyborg, Superman combo, which, again, they kind of pivot a little. Last issue, it seemed like Brainiac was in complete control of Henshaw. This issue, we find out that's not entirely the case. Henshaw has got some control over this, too. He took a – he used Brainiac's n- knowledge of where to find kryptonite to make a crypto knife, which he proceeds to use on, on Superman. The rest of the Justice League, including you know the Flash, John Stewart, they continue to fight this hodgepodge of everybody trying to trying to get Lobo. And while Bat, you know, Batman's communication is knocked out, he's trying to 
get in contact with the Justice League. Darkseid uses his he's now Darkseid has all this Owen power from the from this from this destroyed central power battery. He uses that power to rest, you know basically to bring Apocalypse back online, all to bring back you know Parademons. Granny Goodness ends up showing up too. I don't even remember if that's issue, if this issue now or not. He's picking up with the plan, kind of like where he left off with the nukes and all that stuff. We'll get into more. I'm just trying to get to the the, ma- the major highlights of all this. Uh, Batman. We find out Lobo was basically paid to set up the Justice League and bring them to and bring them to Apocalypse. Batman bribes. Now that that technically now that that job is done for for Lobo, Batman pays Lobo to now help them in a new job to help basically fight fight off the attackers. Hal is pissed off because he's being used, but he doesn't seem to have a power ring here, so he's it looks like he's not going to be much of a factor go, going forward. They end up dark side. Yes, he, he, he you know, he, he brings back granny goodness. He's dealing with Superman, who is damaged from from being damaged with, you know, with with the kryptonite, the kryptonite knife. Lobo joins the Justice League and in, in fighting. We get we get all this at the end. One, you know, Wonder Woman tries you know, gets involved in the fight to try to stop dark side. And we we hear that uh, after after Diana says we've seen all manner manner of pitiful tyrants dark side and the league has stopped them all. And we hear a she is correct. You may have outrun death, but as long as we exist, you will not outrun the Justice League. And we see a reformed in Owen Green Energy Martian Manhunter. And that ends part six. Part seven picks up with the same thing. He says, uh, Martian Manhunter Jean says, for too long, my Martian consciousness resided in your cursed pit dark side. I suppose I have you to thank for giving me form again. Uh, this renews um, Wonder Woman to kick dark side in the face uh, while her and uh, John ex- exchange quick pleasantries as they fight off dark side. Uh, Superman uh, has is still suffering from his kryptonite wounds, kryptonite inflicted wounds. And uh, he's sort of recapping the situation. Uh, Batman is going up against cyborg Superman Brainiac. And from across the battlefield, he says the words heat vision, which of course, with his super hearing Superman picks up and ignites the, um, the plastique that he placed on the chest of uh, that Batman placed on the chest of cyborg Superman uh, Brainiac, which ignites it and it blows it up. But Batman is not without his own wounds as he has the uh, blade of the kryptonite knife in his chest. Uh, Superman uh, is holding him and is trying to save him while also being drained and weakened and dying by the presence of the kryptonite knife. John uh, Stewart, across the battlefield sees uh jean jones and goes to help him up against dark side uh martian manhunter says my consciousness is using the owen energy but i fear i'm still not up to the task to which john says well let's do it the way the league should and kind of inhabits the construct of of uh martian manhunter and adds his own uh, will to the energy that john jones is pulling from uh, to take on Darkseid once more. We see Hal standing at one of the previously uh, previously one of the uh, apocalypse uh, hell pits or whatever they're called, but this time Darkseid reignited them. He reignited them with Owen energy. Hal standing at the edge of one and says, come on, Jordan, that monster, he used you, he used you. Nobody sits on the sidelines as he reaches towards it. Wonder Woman and Lobo and Flash 
are taking care of a few of the stragglers. And once they deem that uh, that is all taken care of, Wonder Woman slices Lobo's head off because he's a Cesarnian and he can't really die. Um, but he's a uh, one, uh, one problem child off the plate, uh, off their plate this way. Uh, so they all meet up with Superman um, at, at Batman's as Batman is on the ground. Darkseid has opened several boom tubes and is dropping various bombs, transporting them. I'm not sure if they're going down or going up into those boom tubes. But regardless, um, Darkseid is threatening them, says it's, you know, it's time for my triumph. It's time for my ascension. And all of a sudden off panel, we hear, yeah, well, you'll have to go first. You'll have to go through the Justice League. And we see how on panel in his Green Lantern uniform with an entire construct behind him of all of the league members that you could possibly think of, including Big Barda and Vixen and Red Tornado and Zatanna and a bunch of others that we see here. They all fight off parademons and Darkseid and other things here and there. Uh, while Darkseid says he's not going to be defeated by constructs, John Jones sees that Batman is wounded, so John Stewart turns him loose to go take care of that. Uh, Martian Manhunter tells uh, uh, Kal-El to get the hell out of here and go take on Darkseid. Uh, and uh, because you're being killed by this kryptonite, uh, I'll take care of Batman, which he does by sealing some blood vessels and uh, using his construct energy to help heal Batman. Darkseid and Hal exchange words, basically about being taken over. Uh, he, uh, John Stewart says... This isn't working. Those oh, those boom tubes are those boom nukes are about to be sent off. Can you absorb their energy? So those nukes are heading through boom tubes towards other places. John decides to take on the fight while Hal do, gets on what John told him to do to absorb the energy. And Wonder Woman and Superman land a blow on Darkseid to knock him to the ground. Hal follows Darkseid up as Darkseid launches off of the surface, but Hal brings a a, a construct full of all of those boom nukes uh, and throws him right at dark side and ex- explodes. He comes back down, tells Clark that he used me. It's okay. It's over. Let's go home. So with the battle against dark side complete, we see uh, one month later at the United planets assembly, Lobo is on trial. How mentions the United planets is recognizing uh, apocalypse as new Oa and they can rebuild Flash asks if it's the same as before, and, and Hal says, after what happened with Darkseid, it became more apparent than ever that no one person should be in charge of the core. So Hal and John Stewart are co-running it until they have enough members to vote on a council, and then we have the One Guardian, but just to protect New Oa. Uh, and the One Guardian they're talking about, of course, is uh, Martian Manhunter, and the Trinity, along with Martian Manhunter, uh, meets up at the... Uh, watchtower in this in this uh, universe is this the watchtower is still the base on the moon john says the justice league is still needed and we will fulfill that need so they ask what form that should take and batman says dark side in the core proves something to us corruption and evil are everywhere be it far beyond earth there are those needing help those who need justice and we're no longer american or international we're justice league universal which is our title for this uh, final issue, Justice League Universal. What do you think? Oy. Well, I'm sure you'll think more highly of this conclusion to the story because I know you like this story a lot. But the, the thing that makes this story really hard, to like these two issues to really digest, and yes, we don't know how much the missing issue would have maybe made things be a little more palatable in this. I don't know if it really would have. I find it hard to believe because the same, some of the same things that, 
we've talked about that have bothered me from the very beginning or not only do are they reinforced in these two issues, it's almost like they, they noted themselves about some of the stupid decisions and actions they made throughout the course of the story. Like they even, they directly referenced how, oh, there could have been a better way to do this or we should have done this from the beginning. Yeah, because what they did was stupid. So it's, it's like plot, it's like they're acknowledging their own plot armor in these, in these two, in these two issues. The whole elaborate plan to have bat. You're, are you telling me that that Dark Side's inside of Hal with all this power from this from the destro- from the destroyed central power battery, and he needs to get Batman into the bowels of Apocalypse, where he's where Dark Side is from, so Dark Side's own master plan, uh, his own backup plan can be uncovered. He can't just take Hal's body to friggin' Apocalypse and take over a clone on his own. What's the what's the whole point of the ruse? I know it's a dark side being arrogant and you can say, oh, oh that, you know, but it's still stupid. We've told we've talked about how Lobo, the whole idea of putting everything on the line for Lobo to begin with was moronic, not for multiple reasons. Besides the fact, as you pointed out very quickly, that Lobo can die. So it's not like they're going to be successful in all likelihood trying to kill him anyway. So does it make sense to go to this whole effort to try to to protect Lobo. Who cares to begin with? And and Diana acknowledged, oh, we should have done this from the beginning, cutting his head off. Yeah, you could have done that. It's, I don't know, it's, what's the deal with Hal's ring? It's like, he, 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 he had a ring, right, when Darkseid, when he was Hal Jordan, who we thought for the first, like, five issues of this story, he had a Green Lantern ring. And then all of a sudden, Dark side pops out of him. I don't think he. I don't think he did. I think he did. Remember, that was one of the things we pointed out is that he wasn't on one of the first panels of that we saw Green Lantern in issue one that he wasn't wearing a ring. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look. You may be right. It's been so long. I, I, I remember way, just, pointing that out, and I can't think of any other comic we would have reviewed. Re- you, you could be. You, you, pro- you could be right, but either way, there's a discrepancy because then where does he get the ring from in this issue? In seven. True. Where does he get the ring from? Either way, there's a discrepancy. Uh, you could try to make the case that Darkseid took all the green energy out, you know, when he went into the clone, even though, again, technically speaking, the power was in ha- Hal's physical body. But, okay, I can buy that. But then where does he get, where does he form the ring from? That's why I was looking, paying attention at the end. It's like, does he have a ring? Does he have a ring? Then finally, after he sends the, throws the nukes at Darkseid, there's a he's got a ring he has a ring on so no matter what there's a there's a there's a discrepancy there the i'm just trying to think if there's any if there's anything else that, that glaringly stands out is really really dumb even though i think that's kind of enough i'm not a big fan at all we're not american we're not you know the the the, the you know the justice league universal crap either i'm not necessarily a huge fan of that but that's the, that's that's the least you know that's the least of the problems in this book you have the co- you have the cover of seven where Diana looks like she got hit with an anvil in her nose because it's completely flat, and Hal looks like Alan Scott. But again, we know covers covers tend to get passes because they don't necessarily have anything to do with the story. And who the hell knows how this? Maybe the covers were affected by which issues <laughs> which issues were eliminated too. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I think there are cool moments in this. The John the Martian Manhunter stuff is pretty cool. Him becoming the, the new guardian of of Oa. That I think that's kind of cool. That how being manipulated, which is closer in line, not maybe the same way, but you were, but you thought how was going to be the traitor, so you were correct. 
on that level. But I don't know. I, I, I think it pretty much ends with a thud. It seems. And, and especially when dark side was, Oh, these, these master, my great master plan. And then he's all ready to just cut bait and leave. Just when the first, the first moment, everything's turning against him. He's all ready to cut bait and leave that, that seemed a little weird. And it's also, it also was a weird way to end it when, it, when he's saying, is that plucky hell Jordan? Shall I destroy your life again? And then that's what, you know, which seems like a threat more than anything. And then that's just the way it ends. So I don't know. I'm sure you're going to like it more, but I, I, I actually didn't realize how much I disliked it until I went back and I reread both issues last night. I knew I didn't like it. And I knew I, I had these, some these issues with it, but I didn't realize how much overall I thought that it kind of went off the rails as a conclusion. Yeah. Um, and forgive me folks. I've been muting on and off because I have a mild cough. That's just a scratch, annoying little scratch in my throat that causes me to cough every now and then. So forgive me if I do that while we're talking and don't mute, but uh, I do think that this could have been benefited by the eighth issue we were originally supposed to have. I think some dialogue, some explanation, uh, more room for a double page spread or a splash here and there more than what we got could have helped flesh this thing out uh, enough and in kind of um, spread it out a little bit to make the fight seem longer, more involved, more nuanced than it was um, because by squishing it into these two issues rather than the three, it was uh, we would have ended up reviewing if this ended up having eight issues. I feel like, I feel like some of the problems we have with this in terms of explanation, in terms of, uh, you know, dialogue, in terms of scene could honestly be helped by a third issue. Do I think it fixes the problems or rather all the problems that you presented? No, but I think it may help fit. It would have helped fix some of them in terms of, like I said, pacing uh, and things like that. I had a feeling it might've been Hal just because we were so focused on, Hal in this thing, we were, you know, there was so much mystery surrounding how the power operated now. And then I, I, I felt it even more once we got to the point where, like, supposedly the last time anybody saw Darkseid was on Oa, and we presume him dead at that point. Um, so Hal was the last person. Hal was the last person to see Darkseid. And I think I'm, I think I even mentioned it wouldn't have been the la- it wouldn't be the, the first time Hal has gone bad when I suggested him as a possibility, yeah, but I'm not that. necessarily calling that a win because in terms of predicting something, because it's just honestly uh, a hunch I threw out that didn't really have much to back it up to begin with. But you were right. In a way that's an even better win because, because it's not like you had to lay out. It's not like it was a clear cut laying out the evidence and, 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 and pleading your case. You, it, it was, it was, it was a hunch. And even though there were other clues, maybe that it could have been different characters. Throughout, throughout the book that you zeroed in on, uh, I take the take the win because it is a win. <laughs> um, I'm a little, and I'm just sort of paging through six and seven right now, so I'm a little confused about what role Cyborg Superman Brainiac plays in this, other than insanely cool page turn reveal at the end of one of our issues, and maybe I guess keeping Superman busy. Is that really it? I think so. Okay. And the only way they really used the combination was when uh, when uh, Hammond says it's Hammond, right? No, not Hector. Hall, Hall, Henshaw, Henshaw, Henshaw. There we go. Uh, He says, "I call it a kryptonite." When Brainiac and I merged, it turned out that he knew where to find kryptonite, and I knew how to use it. Really, that's the most interesting 
result of the combination of them, other than maybe him controlling the Manhunters, which he could have theoretically done himself already as Henshaw, which he had done before. Well, and the fact that they that basically he's saying that at least they're part they're part of this, which you assume are with the Manhunters, that that wasn't all one big huge trap. That they're acknowledging that, which is even worse in a way, because now you have the whole coincidence thing that they're just on they they're on they're on Oa doing their own thing pretty much. It's not in a coordinated effort trying to work with with Dark Side. So they're you know so in a way that so now it's just now you're supposed to believe in. Like literally what he says, divine intervention, that everything falls into place at the right time. Yeah. So, uh, Viral Docs and the others being there is also sort of an interesting ragtag team. Uh, I do like that Darkseid has enough command of the power. I mean, he's a, he's a new god. So uh, in some ways, I'll just forgive him for or forgive the story for him being able to utilize this force, because depending on <clears throat> what comics you read, Dark side may or may not be older than the the power as collected and utilized by the Owens. You know, I mean, he's not older than willpower because he's not older than sentience. Although, again, depending on the comics you read, he might have been here when our universe or this universe was created. Um, and plus, dark side. I mean, let's just let's just face it. I mean, will can be, you know, we've seen it used for positive and negative things. And dark side is is nothing else of a being of pure will. So I can forgive it for that. There are certain there are certain beings that I have almost no problem with them being able to utilize this force to, you know, do I think, you know, Joe Blow should be able to pick up the ring and use it? No, but I (laughs) Darkseid being able to coalesce and utilize this, I don't, I don't see a problem with him being able to use it, uh, <clears throat> use it as effectively as others. That's another story, but I, I don't have a problem with him using it. Um, so interesting that he that he basically ignites the core of of Apocalypse. He's almost in a way, wouldn't you think he's kind of giving up a portion of the power that resides in in himself by igniting Apocalypse in this way? Yeah, enough yeah. for enough for Hal to stand at the edge of it and reclaim his own power yeah you would think so unless it's still linked to him and, and, and he could basically he can give it give it and take it back and you know from his perspective whether that's accurate or not that maybe that's how he how he views it but on the surface yes any any time since he's since now he is almost like a living central central power battery if he gives some of that energy away that yeah you would think he's naturally weaker yeah for sure I like the moments of them sort of trading off when, uh, when like, so like uh, him and uh, John Stewart and John Jones pairing up. And then as soon as John sees he's needed elsewhere, John Stewart's like, all right, cool. Uh, go take care of that. I got this. Uh, another insta- in, uh, instance of this also involving John Stewart uh, is when he asked Hal if he can take care of the nukes and Hal says, yeah, but I can't do this at the same time. And John's like, cool. If you can do that, go do that. I'll take care of this. I do like that because it shows like teamwork and delegation among the league, which is something you should always see with them. I mean, if you're, if you're going to play on the trope of basically a team book, there are two tropes you play with. One of which gets played more often than not is new member to the team. Doesn't know their place on the team. Doesn't, you know, hasn't figured out how they work well with said team. Something you don't get enough of is well-oiled team knows how each other works and can delegate. And I like seeing that here. So I thought that was cool to see. 
Yeah, I would say um, that's true. I would say that they they do they do demonstrate their knowledge and their understanding of each other, camaraderie, no matter how you want to look at it, that they do work well and understand each other's strengths and weaknesses and their and just general understanding of each other. So I think that is a plus that comes across in this story. I don't and I, I don't know in this again, this may have been one be one of those things that could have been better served by having an eighth issue. I don't understand how John uh, Jean's consciousness could have rested in the he said for too long my Martian consciousness resided in your cursed pit, dark side. So I don't know how his Martian consciousness was stuck in the pit of apocalypse. What was it merged with? Was it tech? Was it, I mean, what was it? Because we know, we know that John died accessing essentially what was the core of apocalypse. So what was down there that could have absorbed a consciousness? Unless he was just haunting the place, essentially that his spirit wasn't ready to move on. Yeah, it could be just supernatural, which is entirely possible in, in the DCU. Did that did that bit of plastique destroy Henshaw? Because there would be no logical reason to think that, considering everything we everything in the world we've seen. I know you're talking potentially just based on this story. because uh, yeah, we don't I, see him again. No, we have no we have we have no we have no real evidence of that um, that he's even destroyed in this in this story, other than the fact that. I'm just trying to see if you see his body anywhere else on any of these pages. I don't think we do. Let's see. These are all these manhunters. It's certainly it's, it's another no matter how you slice it. It's kind of a half assed way to get rid of Hank Henshaw temporarily because we know of everything he's been through. Just blowing just putting a bomb on his physical body like that. Even something that's especially, you, it's not, you know, it's, it's not like he's being hit by a nuke or something. Not that I'm a big fan of the whole you know boom nukes. I, that just seems like a very Earth like term and a very very low end of the totem pole for what you think would exist throughout the universe as far as things that they could do to blow places up why why couldn't he just create a boom tube and shoot his omega beams through them i don't know it's it's uh yeah i would assume henshaw even if they were never going to pick up on the storyline based on what we know about henshaw there's no reason to think that he's he's gone in my mind what is he doing with the boom nukes to begin with? Is he just r- randomly distributing them across the universe and do what Darkseid always does, just destroying shit? Essentially, I think he's picking up in what, what the, his plan was when they stopped him in the past, when he was sending the boom nukes. The right, he was sending them to Earth. That was the plan. I don't know how many. I don't know how many other worlds, or maybe he was just sending them to Earth in the original story. I'm, yeah. It, it, it's a little convoluted, even what he's trying to accomplish in this story arc. And then the fact that it's like, it's like, it's, it's like he stubs his toe and it's like, Oh, you, you've won this time, but you know, but I'll be back. What are those things when he goes to, when he flies to try to leave Oa? It's like, I mean, excuse me, uh, apocalypse. It's like, I don't know. And I, I don't think I'd be wanting to make apocalypse. My new Oa. I know you might not have a choice. I still would think about something else. <laughs> which i guess brings us to our last point martian manhunter as a new guardian of oa that's one of the best things in these friggin' two issues yeah how so because it's somewhat original it makes sense based on the dynamic they set up here that he's only able to take form any kind of physical form and manifest himself because of the green energy being exposed to the green energy and the green energy is now tied to apocalypse he can't move off of Apocalypse 
Apocalypse is now going to be designated the new Oa. So it makes sense that since Martian Martian Manhunter can still play a role by basically being the the guardian the guardian of Apocalypse slash Oa because he can he is tied to the green energy that that cores or powers the planet now. So everyone and you got Martian Manhunter back. So it I, and don't get me wrong, I don't like a, much of the dynamic set up in the series. So I I I don't think I'd be particularly gung ho to see a continuation of this for multiple reasons, but. To me, that was one of the few bright spots in this. I did, and again, my weakness for Cyborg Superman made the Henshaw Brainiac merger, especially in this, in these two issues where you realize that oh, it's not just Brainiac taking. You know, originally we thought it was Henshaw maybe taking over. You know, taking over Brainiac tech. Then we got the first appearance, and when when they the, the, the after the splash page, the first issue that showed him, and it seemed like it was Brainiac controlling Henshaw, which kind of sucked. And then you get this where you realize that you really, well, you don't really realize anything because you really don't know what the dynamic is between the two of them. Do they switch control? Do they share control? Does it go, you know, either way. But it, the fact that Henshaw is actually in there and it's not buried waiting for a moment to come to come out. I kind of, I did kind of like that at least. I, I too thought it sort of ended on a little bit of a downturn. God only knows if an eighth issue would have helped or hindered, but. I think I, I still enjoy this enough to where I want the trade on my shelf, I think. So I can understand. I, I don't agree, but I can understand. Yeah. Which I guess leads us to the final question about this. Uh, who is on your Justice League Universal? Is there any, is it what, if we were building one? Yeah. From scratch? Oh, I don't. I, oh my God. I don't know. Because you don't even know the, you don't even know the universe and who's, who the hell's still around in this universe. It's, I mean, I guess if you could play the game, anybody who they haven't told you is dead, I guess, I guess you can, I, I don't know. Cause I don't know which one, I don't know which members of this team that you kick off that we already have. Uh, you would assume everybody's going to be there. I don't, that's a, that's a, it's a good question. Maybe it's where my brain is, which doesn't bode well for the next segment, by the way. But I, I'm just, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who I would be gung ho to to put on, uh, especially Universal, because you would think you're going to be plucking people from other planets. See, that's just it. I was thinking, <clears throat> I was thinking in terms of aliens that we know. So obviously a Thanagarian or two, whether that's Hawkman and Hawkgirl or or some combination thereof, or one or one or both. <clears throat> I would think Adam Strange would be good. Uh, I would think maybe Starfire from the Teen Titans. She's they're starting to put her in like leadership roles and stuff like that. If you merge it sort of with the universe we have now, Superman's son, John Kent, can pull the earth earthbound duties of Superman while Superman himself, Kal-El, could be part of Justice League Universal as a more kind of purebred Kryptonian or something. I don't know. Or at least in terms of how the universe recognizes and respects him by and large. And uh, I was also thinking of, um, you know how like sometimes you'll throw a villain onto a, a team book to be like, oh, that's going to throw us a little bit of chaos into the mix, but it serves some sort of a purpose. I think you throw somebody that could be problematic, but also sort of represents a different sort of perspective on how the universe is run and stuff is Gem, son of Saturn. Hmm. Something like that. Which it could also could provide some conflict when, like, you know, you you realize that maybe Martian Manhunter, the uh, the Guardian, isn't going to be like there for missions, but those two will butt heads a lot. <laughs> yeah, 
So I don't know. It's kind of, I think part of it is that I'm just not the way the story ended. It's just doesn't leave me overly enthused. So it's kind of hard to imagine a conti- seeing a continuation of this of this world going forward. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I it's kind of hard to be for, for me to be overly pumped to think who who I'd want to put in. It's like they, they didn't kind of. I mean, I guess you could try to make the case they did right by Hal at the end of the story, but yeah, they did. Uh, uh, and to be fair, they did right by Hal throughout the story and until, until the beginning of six, when you realize there really, he really wasn't Hal in, in charge, <laughs> that it was all set up. Uh, but I, I think I probably would have been less disgruntled if they didn't openly acknowledge that some of the own their own weird decisions and illogical decisions in these two issues they didn't actually reference some of the you know oh we could have just cut his head off we should have done that earlier it's like oh there might have been other ways for me to get to apocalypse or get back to these clone bodies but it's like it's like they're openly acknowledging in their own story that it's like plot armor that this is you wanted these things to happen which is the only reason they happen not because they make a whole lot of sense and that's kind of hard to overlook i'm with you all right so what's next on the rocket docket? We're going to go back to do some feedback. Feedback. Woo. We, woohoo. Uh, feedback that we, some obviously can that we started last week and we didn't get to finish his, the rest of his e- email then. So we'll do it now. And we have Lance. So what, let's see. Yeah. Lance is as long, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Where do you want to start first? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you Lance. So the question is, do you want to do Lance first? Or do you want to do you want to? No, no, let's uh, we, we ended with Ken. Let's start to go start up again with Ken. Okie dokie. So let's get back to everything. OK, so Ken continuing on a lighter note, in honor of your 450th episode, I wanted to share some fun questions after my other comments have been so negative. There are a lot of them. So I would appreciate if you answered them one at a time. I separated them by by letter. I shared these questions with the blog of OWA for their 200th episode, and it was pretty fun. So I hope you guys have a great time with them. No pressure or anything, Ken. (laughs) So A is, if you could retcon anything from Green Lantern history, what would it be? In similar fashion, who would you bring back to life? I would easily bring back the Blue Lanterns, the deceased lanterns from this run, and possible Kat Matui and Lara. Hmm. I know these are... The, it's the reality is we probably should have we really should have prepped for these as long as we've had to actually go over these multiple times we probably should have actually prepped and written down at least quick answers to these now i think you could technically combine the retcon anything with the bringing people i they don't have to be mutually exclusive i mean they could don't have to be mutually exclusive or they could be as far as if you could run a retcon something and bring somebody back to life that could be Technically, you, you would be retconning something from Green Lantern history. So I don't necessarily know if we really have to answer both parts of it. Uh, the Blue Lantern, I mean, it's funny that you said the Blue Lanterns, because when he first when when he fir- before you got to that part, when he asked the question, I didn't even think of that. Maybe because we were teased that and because we know that it was editorial that prevented us from having them back during the uh, Venditti run. But I'm just trying to think who. Actually, you know who I who I would bring back. I, I'll, I'll, so at least this is one answer. There probably would be better answers, but I'd bring back the original entities that were wiped out of the emotional spectrum. Yeah, I was going to say that. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. It's not the only idea I have. And as far as retconning anything from, 
It'd be really easy to say Emerald Twilight, though. Obviously, the ret- Je- the Jeff conning of Emerald Twilight has brought a lot of things to the table. But I'll stick with that because it's an easy answer. What I will say is I hate the friggin' sh- sharp toothed version of Parallax, that crazy jawed monster like Parallax when when he's when they're in their host form, but they have this 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 monster monster entity teeth. I don't like that at all. I hate that. Every time I see it, it it makes me cringe. So I'll 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 say that. Just because it's one answer closer to yours. Uh, let's see. Um, I would say let's make Kyle Rayner a White Lantern again. That's let's a good one. Erase all the crap that happened to make him give up that power and go back to being a green. I um I I don't want that. I don't I don't mean like you know he shouldn't help Hal out and stuff like that, but like it didn't drain him of his power and ability to be a White Lantern. Um, that was the whole Doctor Manhattan effect, but. <laughs> Yeah, I that, just, was, that, was, that was the editorial effect. Let's be honest. That was all editorials. Hold this the whole thing of not bringing back the blues and making Kyle green again was not Benditti's choice. Yeah, I just I think ha, I, I, it was the it was a way and a clever way to make Kyle the torchbearer without making him ion. Um, and I thought we were getting into a groove with it. Um, now, obviously, knowing DC Comics the way it is, the way it became, you know, who knows if they would have ever devoted any time to actually telling us those stories. We could still be sitting here going, where the hell is Kyle as a White Lantern? When was the last time we saw him? You know, like that could still be the case. But like, yeah, I just I liked Kyle as I liked Kyle as Torchbearer. And I thought the White Lantern concept was interesting. And I also thought it was interesting uh, too. even. Honestly, I thought that was one of the more interesting um, Future's End stories. You know, what happens to Kyle and sort of that space, space Jesus, Jesus stuff. Yes. Yeah. You know, I thought that was interesting looking. I had my own problems with it, of course. But like, you know, it was it was it was it it piqued my curiosity more than others. Um, Those so issues I, were actually not bad. The Future's End. I, I actually preferred a lot of the, the directions they went off in Future's End more than what they did with Future State. I, yeah. so I, th- I thought those were pretty effective. Yeah. Um, I don't know about resurrecting somebody. I, I, I couldn't tell you other than of course the lanterns that they've, that, that Thorne is killed uh, off panel. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it, a, a thing I would change is definitely Kyle needs to be would, would in my universe. Kyle is still a white lantern. All right. So we move to B. Mm-hmm. If you could have a team of seven lanterns across the emotional spectrum, who would you select to protect the universe in a new guardians fashion? Uh, he's, I was going to say, I, I'll mention his team. I was debating whether we should mention his team. Mm-hmm. My team would, as in Ken's team would look a lot like Kyle's original crew, but I would replace Blaze and monk for guy and John as red and indigo lanterns. I would also add Jay to represent the Starheart magic, but now you're cheating. Because that has nothing to do with But okay. You want to do with that one first? Or you want me to? Kyle for green. Sora for yellow because it's funny. <laughs> um, yeah, St. Walker. I was thinking Warth, but nah, St. Walker's fine. Ooh, um, what was her name? Was it Mary? Yes. Mary, Star the Saf- one to Star, yeah, Star Sapphire, yes. Yeah, Mary for the Star Sapphire. For Indigo, <laughs> neither Monk nor Indigo won. I just let's just throw something fun artistically in there. 
and something that Kyle could just get a trip out of the fact that he's traveling space with this creature. That uh, indigo lantern that looked like a pterodactyl. Oh, okay. <laughs> we never really got much time with that character. I don't think we ever even got dialogue, but like it was just a random indigo lantern pterodactyl looking thing that just carried a staff. <laughs> I think that'd be fun. And I think Kyle would get a trip over. Uh, he's traveling space with a space pterodactyl. Uh, <laughs> so that could be interesting. Let's see for orange glommy. Gotta have glommy. Mm-hmm. Uh, for red rancor. That was his name, right? Yes. Rancor for sure. Uh, and that covers everybody, doesn't it? Yes. Cause we're not going to, uh, yes. We're, not, we're just getting yeah, yeah. emotional. We're not doing yeah. all right. So again, this is not ideal. This is just stuff that hit me off the top of my head. Kyle makes sense, but we've done it, done it before. So I'd, I'd do John. I'd go with John. Uh, Blue would have to be Timmy. Blue is always going to either be Saint Walker, or if we live in a world where Worth is back, I would not mind putting Worth in there because we haven't seen him before. So War, so in a world where both, if if the Blue Lanterns ever do all get resurrected, then I would ha- I would say give give Worth a chance. <laughs> I too had Rancor. I too had Rancor. I thought Rancor would be interesting. Uh, Miri, I would say I'm I'm going to stick with Laura Fleas for Orange because. You can't beat beat a classic. I put I'll put Jess in as the yellow. And just when you were talking, I just thought again, thinking outside the box just because it would be weird. Let's go back and put Indigo Black Hand in. We never really got enough of Indigo Black Hand. <laughs> that would that would be interesting. I didn't even think about that. Ind- I mean, more of Indigo Sinestro would be fair too. Either one would be pretty interesting, but seeing a seeing what Black Hand could have been under the having more of influence under the indigo power i thought would would be interesting so all right cool all right so c now we're getting to some even more fun stuff if you could trim the number of human lanterns to four to five characters who would you keep and who would you kill off or retire i would easily keep hal john guy kyle and jess but i would maybe retire hal and include jade obviously he likes jade or kelly instead I like the idea of a Teen Green Lantern since Lantern representation is too limited to the League and Adult Titans. But she's not a teen. Uh, All right, so let me go first on this one. You know, the idea of retiring Hal, at least, you know, with a small R, that you know wouldn't last. Now, I wouldn't necessarily be against that under the right circumstance, but I'm not going to call for it because Hal's my favorite. So the ones I would absolutely keep, I'm keeping Hal, I'm keeping John, I'm keeping Guy. I so I would also prefer Kyle to be white, but uh, I was there was a joke in there somewhere, but I'm not saying that. Uh, and, and if Jess is no longer a Yellow Lantern, then yes, I would like to keep her around. Definitely, I'd get I'd get rid of Kelly in a heartbeat. Simon goes without saying. Simon really has no reason to be around. And you may dislike Jade more than I do on a personal level, though. I think you rep- you respect her ties to Alan and her ties into Green, into Green Lantern and TC history. I certainly don't need to see Jade involved in anything to do with Green Lanterns on a regular basis. Uh, so I guess that would be it. I would I would I would keep Jade on the outside where she usually is. I'd get rid of get rid of Kelly since she's technically not a Green Lantern anyway, and we have to see how her arc plays out and how complicit she is with some of the stuff that's going on in uh, the thorn book. And I absolutely, Simon's the easy one. Simon goes without saying. Yeah. So I'm assuming 
Alan and then by proxy Jade are not technically lanterns. Or do I have to include them in this list as lanterns? Uh, I wouldn't. Not if okay. we're, we're. I mean, I guess it's it, it's a. Alan is debatable. I think Jade's pretty clearly not. And yeah. so. Okay, so I'm just gonna leave Alan and and Jade off, and they just exist. Um, <clears throat> I say Hal, John, Kyle. I think we. I think obviously kill Simon. I don't care about Kelly. Ty Fam is in his own universe. Um, and I do, I and I do like Ty Fam. I kind of did forget about Ty Fam. Yeah, he's cool, but I'm pretty sure he's in his own universe based on the fact that he's in Coast City, and we haven't seen Hal. We've never seen mention of Hal. It seems like even from the solicit for the Alliance book that's coming up soon, which is the sequel to Legacy, that Hal doesn't play a part there either. So I, I, I don't think Ty is in a uni- is in the same universe. Um, regardless, though, look. I love Guy Gardner, but I don't know what he brings to the table that is so, let's say, critically unique. He's the heart of the core, man. Yes, but I also think that Guy is one of those characters we could lose and we'd be pissed if we lose, but it would have some fucking weight to it without derailing the universe in which we're operating in. So I, 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 would, I, I would agree with that. I think that is, I think you, if done in the right way for the right reason, yes. Yes. I, would, I, guess, would, yes. I want to see Guy go out on a high note. I want to, I, I want you to sh- showcase everything there is great about Guy Gardner before he goes. I want that death to fucking mean something. But I think we could still live without Guy. That being said, Hal, John, Kyle, Jess, and Joe. I think that's where I'd put it. Fuck Simon, fuck Kelly. Um, Ty's in his own universe. Alan and Alan and Jade don't count. Who am I missing? Did I miss somebody? Not of relevance, I don't think. All right. Yeah. So I say hi, John. Hal, John, Kyle, Jess, and Joe. All right. Um, yeah. D. Are the Green Lanterns better off with or without the Guardians? Personally, I prefer the DC Rebirth version where John was leader of the core while Ganthet stayed, and the Templar Guardians were more there for help. Also, I prefer Mogo as the base of the core, not Oa, which has been destroyed, attacked too often. So this is you going first, right, on this one? Unless I think you don't so. want. I'm getting sick of the whole the Guardians have a nefarious secret thing. So I would actually agree with him in the Rebirth version, was where John's the leader, Ganthet and Sade are there, and then we have the Templar Guardians who are more or less just still sort of learning the ropes and being more forthcoming with at least John and some of the others. I don't I don't think I like um, a core without any guardians. I think, um, you know, whether it's been just Ganthet or Ganthet and Sade or the Templar Guardians or something, I, I, I do like the sort of leadership and perspective that they bring. And I agree, of course, about Mogo. But do we still hold to the idea that Mogo is the one who directs the rings? Is that still something that happens that's a, that's a good question if we haven't seen that in so long but then again we haven't seen a recruiting drive in so long a recruitment drive it's just I, like I, if if he still is and you make mogo the home world of the core why make him a target or a double well double target right in a way yeah double target yeah. yeah yeah i'm going to assume that he is because right because right now they're, they're still on i forget are, are we back on or or is it it's oa right now yes they're on oa Oh, it's been yeah, rebuilt again. Yes, okay. 
which is sad that we have to go back and ponder it because it's the truth. It's between being destroyed. It's just, it's a mess. Okay. So all the, I think you need guardians. I think we've been, I think you could survive without guardians short term, but, but much like the deconstruction at the end of Emerald Twilight, eventually you got to put everything back together again. Do you need, and plus the fact they've been so inconsistent with the number of guardians has gone up, it's gone down. We've lost, we've lost, we've gained, you know, here, we've lost there, we've gained. Now we're merging Templar guardians, which of course it's interesting that all the old guardians are now Templar guardians, which makes, are referred to as Templar guardians. And, and then you have, I don't know. Uh, I think the guardians need to be around. I agree that it, it, another thing that gets real old and even the thorn run is hinting at this one way or the other. Well, they could be hinting at it from both sides, depending on the truth. We find out that the guardians are just sneaky bastards that you can't trust who they never learned their last lesson about going about things the wrong way. That does kind of get old too. So I agree. The rebirth concept was pretty good where the guardians are kind of like the Templar guardians were pretty good. The, the idea that these guardians have been in, you know, captured, you know, have been, charged with guarding Volthoom for so long and they weren't out and experiencing things that once they're free and there's no guardians left, they themselves knew they were inexperienced and didn't hadn't known the universe enough to be making decisions. So they needed to learn. That was a, that was kind of a good concept, but yes, it, 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 you do need guardians at some point. I prefer Oa to be the center of the, of the, in the home of the green lantern core and not Mogo. So I guess that's that. If you could retell any era of green lantern in a Marvel ultimate universe fashion, what would you choose? Well, I'd like to see a modern version of Kyle's story. His run is still pretty easy to get into. Instead, I'd do it for John to give him a proper origin story and easy to follow and easy to follow run, which isn't chopped across multiple books like the original. I know there's Earth One, but I want something that's more similar and more friendly to readers who would want to read the other Green Lantern books afterwards. I'm not really good on the I have not read much of the Marvel Ultimate Universe, so I don't me neither. I don't I, I know I know just enough of the ideas. It's more like we just thought up of these con concepts. We're still holding largely to what they really are, but how would you tell this story in a modern era? I think is the thing. Mm. It's not necessarily a what if and in it, it you know, so so much of it is still true to the original character. It's just the framing devices have changed. I don't know, maybe some, even though it's hard to, I'm going to say this, even though it's not like we haven't seen this relatively recently, even though relatively recently now is multiple years ago, considering the Green Lantern series with Jess and and, uh, Simon is multiple years ago, let alone the fact that all the stuff with Volthoom was in the beginning of the book, that maybe the whole beginning of the emotional spectrum with Volthoom and the Guardians, maybe. Or the or the the emotional spectrum, generally speaking. But then I was thinking maybe giving us a little bit more something a little more accessible with Volthoom, or just more with Volthoom, because we really didn't never got that much with him. That's all I would say if I had to say something quickly. I would say honestly, I would I would go the exact opposite way. I would leave off the emotional spectrum. For me, I'd say let's see Hal's origin, and let's fucking take our sweet ass time getting to the whole space cop idea. Because, I mean, we got that in the Silver Age, right? This alien comes down, he crashes to Earth. But there's several issues before he goes to Oa and meets the Guardians and sees other members of the Corps. Like, I know he meets Tomar first. But then, but up until then, he's fighting against, you know, invisible destroyers and 
going to other places where there's yellow pterodactyls and fighting against giant puppeteers, you know, stuff like that. Like let give me compelling green lantern, the earth hero stories before he becomes the space cop with a much bigger jurisdiction and storytelling potential in terms of other planets establish him as an earth hero. I don't know how you do it because the ring obviously has its own sort of AI. You'd think the guardians would be able to communicate with them, you know, stuff like that, but maybe he reports to Oa for training, but he's still on sort of like a provisory sort of thing where they want him patrolling only his home planet first to get used to how to use the ring and stuff like that before he, you know, takes on the responsibility of the entire sector. I would just, there's this whole era of, of Green Lantern. I, and by that, I mean the Silver Age where we, we have so many stories of him on earth before we get back to, you know, with Green Lantern 76, the whole, you got to come back down to earth and remember you're fighting for the people here too and stuff like that. But before that, and before he disappears into space to get to that point, there's this sort of 30, 40 issues section, whether it's, you know, two issues here and then skip two or three issues where he's in space and then several more issues where he's back on earth. And it's like, there's this whole random era of green lantern where he's just straight up in coast city or thereabouts taking on random other problems and villains that we haven't really seen since. And I'd really like to see that sort of retold in a context where it makes sense that when he becomes the space hero, that's, that's great. That's what he's supposed to be, but let's establish him as an earth hero first. Let's make him matter to our planet first, because if he just gets the ring and goes out into space, then who cares? Green Lantern is just this guy that shows up every once in a while. What what makes planet Earth sort of claim him as one of their heroes? I want to see that. I could see that. I could definitely see that. Uh might be hard to pull off if uh if I went to like you said to do a to do that slow transition. Yeah. It would it, I Yeah, the temptation to just leap into the space is but but you probably could do it from the perspective that it's not like you're not, it's not like you're proposing you don't do anything with the ring. It's just that you don't tie it into the bigger picture mythology and what the greater true responsibilities are of a green lantern until, until later on, or like an issue, like a few, like a, a few issues down the road. Yeah. I just feel like with green lantern, especially with modern retellings, it gets too big, too fast. He meets Abin, he gets the ring, he's introduced to Sinestro, he discovers Sinestro is doing some shady shit, shuts that down, and now Green Lantern, Hal, as well as Green Lantern, the core, has one of its biggest villains ever, and boom, the dynamite is lit, we're off to the races with all the other crazy shit. What, let's take a minute before we do the whole Sinestro thing. Or even bring Sinestro in, but we're not going to make him attached to the hip at Sinestro to where he figures it out right away. Take your fucking time. Make the betrayal of what what Hal sees Sinestro is doing when he finally gets to see him on his own turf on his home planet. Make that mean something, as opposed to having it happen three days after he meets Sinestro. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. And again, I've never been a huge. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of the need to have Sinestro and Hal be buddy buddies. 
yeah. the good the good cop bad cop reverse Obi Wan Anakin relationship. I've never I've never been a huge. I mean, I understand the temptation for that, and I guess and it there and there and having having if even though we've seen a lot of that lately, the the idea maybe back when they first introduced the concept, we hadn't seen as much of it. Now it's fairly commonplace to find out that oh, you know your 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 teacher's bad. You think your teacher's good, but your teacher's I just never, I didn't see the, see the need of, for that. And maybe because I'm also th- view it cinematically, which will tie in a little bit to the next question too, that depending on what you want to do with Hal, you don't necessarily, if, and, and if you did want to do an Emerald Twilight like story, you don't need to see Sinestro turn bad. You just need to know that he turned bad because you're going to see Hal turning bad. Seeing it twice is, is redundant <laughs> for different reasons, maybe, but still. So let's use that as our segue to get us into the last one. And G, if you could adapt any story in a movie, TV series, animated or live action, what would you choose? Personally, I would easily do the John's run in a trilogy, but probably have the first movie be half Emerald Twilight and half Rebirth, kind of like the Red Hood movie. And then the other two would be Sinestro Core War and Blackest Night. Or he says of War of the Green Lanterns, which I love. Otherwise, I'd like to see Kyle's run be adapted into a show. Congrats again on your 450th episode. I agree with him in terms of live action. Kyle, I think, is the only one who really works. But I think I'm thinking of it more in like CW terms. Yeah. One one yeah. sort of main protagonist to follow. We can still have the framing device of the other lanterns exist and or existed or whatever. But I think everything else is too complex. If you're just jumping into the deep end, I mean. I'd, obviously not since they're doing the HBO Max show, but I'm just I'm thinking maybe not as far reaching as that. Yeah, I think Kyle, I would agree with that. But in terms of animated, nobody says it has to be a Green Lantern trilogy, as in I pop in part one, I'm done with part one, I pop in part two, and it all is a seamless narrative. I think you could do three Green Lantern animated films, but piece them together as part of the larger story you're telling in the animated universe. So DC Animated Universe does, and they actually recently did, uh, the death and return of Superman in that they destroy Coast City. That's just straight up a DC Universe animated feature story that's being told. So your first Green Lantern story after that is Emerald Twilight. We've seen Hal a bunch. We know he's a hero in this animated universe so far we've established that we don't even necessarily have to see his origin except maybe in flashbacks or something if we want to do that or maybe we've already seen it in the universe who knows or if you're just considering what we already have yeah we just take first flight as origin or something like that um regardless so your first your first trilogy piece would be emerald twilight and then after emerald twilight you know we have some other dc movies we see things here and there but eventually we get around to zero hour which is another just sort of DC animated story that is told in its own DC animated way. And then we just, uh, I think we get another DC story. Maybe we get final night in some way, because you have to, you have to redeem how somehow, right? Um, So final night is another story that we tell in the DC universe line. And so it's a while before we get our next green lantern story, which then becomes could be rebirth or we could even, go a place that we wouldn't think they'd ever go and we could do the whole specter thing and just do like a a specter movie but with with hal as specter and then the third movie is is a rebirth-esque sort of thing because i think i think eventually like you have to build up to 
Sinestro Core War and Blackest Night. Those things have to mean something. And they don't they don't necessarily mean as much without the 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 stories that lead into them that build the that that frame the puzzle and start filling in the pieces. And then Sinestro Core War and Blackest Night is where you start getting into a groove with the puzzle and you're just like, oh shit, there's the bird, and oh shit, there's the lion, you know, like whatever the hell. You know, you're just you're just speed running your puzzle at this point and and shit is getting revealed and it's exciting and it's cool and Maybe I'm I'm not one much one for puzzles, so this this is probably falling apart. Um, but you know, just uh, I think I think I think in my mind, I'm assuming Sinestro Core and Blackest Night is a foregone conclusion. So, what three movies do we need to make them a foregone conclusion? I think it also comes down to whether again we do we're talking animated or we're talking live action. Because if you're doing if you're doing live action, especially based on our current status of where we are, yeah. you can't do Emerald. You can't doing doing Emerald Twilight first is a, it would be as dumb as having uh, Snyder kill off Batman. I mean, kill off Superman in the second Superman movie. You barely care about the character. Mm. Barely, you know, it's it, it's it makes no sense whatsoever. In order for you to care about Hal turning to the dark side. You have to care about Hal, and you don't can't do that in half a movie. Now, yes, and yeah. the animated, you you might be able if you like like you said, if you have connective tissue with the other animated movies, and you make it clear, almost like they put it like an like they used to do with the numbering system, like with Superman and all those comics that so you know technically which issue falls comes before and after the next. If you did that with a series of animated movies, you could probably do it. And introduce certain, which it, because even in even from a live action perspective, and I uh, and I would think of this when I did my well when I wrote my two Green Lantern scripts and I did my synopsis for the third one, which would have been Emerald Twilight. That it's also in the back of your mind going that these are the three Green Lantern parts of this, but like you mentioned, different things. Ideally, there'd be other even if it wasn't at that moment, it would be eventually, eventually there'd be connective tissue in movies that would not technically be Green Lantern movies, but DC movies. So Zero Hour, absolutely. Zero Hour would be a DC movie that would just be heavily Hal Jordan and Kyle Rayner centric, but it would be a DC movie as a whole, just like Final Night would, would be similar. It wouldn't be like Green Lantern Final Night, it, though you probably could pull that one off if you wanted to. Yeah, it's it's tough. And in the animated world, you you obviously have a greater chance to do connective tissue. Sinestra, like you mentioned, Sinestra, Sinestra Core War has to be has to be set up at least a little bit. Uh, it may not have to be set up that much. You just have to have know know that Sinestro, you know, is forming a core that could be almost like a post almost like a post credit animated scene of something that he's forming a core and he recruits uh, Arkillo. And then the next time you see them, they have their core. But if you're looking at at storylines, yeah, I would. I was always building towards Emerald Twilight. I think Emerald Twilight is a cool story if you do it right. It would have been like if you did Star Wars from an episodic order, and you actually cared. You know, if it was done well and you cared, and Anakin becoming Vader would be a big deal, uh, because we knew it after the fact. It wasn't nearly as interesting, and it wasn't, and Anakin wasn't written particularly well, so you didn't care as much. But if it had been done right and done in proper order, that would have been a big deal. And then especially if you add in the complexities that Hal and Parallax had, where it's like, well, 
he may not be going about things the right way, but some of the points that he's making are valid. And his and his and his and some of the things that he wants to do and wants to correct, you can't say are really wrong. It it makes things complex. It's kind of like Magneto at his best when he's handled really well, as opposed to the way the the Fox movies kind of went off the rail with Fastbender that he always was a dick, and then eventually he came around. Well, except for Days of Future Past, where he kind of was. He was he kind of became a dick at the end. <laughs> but there's a common thread. He in the later movies, the final two, he just was a jerk to a certain extent, then kind of like came around a little. So I think Emerald Twilight would be a cool thing to build towards. But again, you'd also have to have a big picture plan, like an MCU like plan, and it has to be done right, or else you'd never get to these parts. But but those are those are all good ideas. I just wouldn't you know, like I said, I certainly wouldn't be yeah. approaching Emerald Twilight anywhere near the beginning because Yeah, for me I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking of the the movies we have so far and where I would slot other movies, not just the Green Lantern stuff, but the DC stuff like Zero Hour and, and uh, Final Night. And I I know that they they don't do this often, but DC Animated likes to play with style a little bit in terms of the type of story they're telling. Are they telling are they telling a uh, a fight em up story are they telling a detective story are they telling an adventure story or are they have you seen constantine city of demons no there is some foul ass shit in that movie it's an animated movie but that thing is i, I think it's rated r if it's not if it's not it's a firm you know far into the spectrum pg-13 whatever the fuck it is but that is a dark ass movie with some creepy, disturbing shit in that. I can see them trying to go, you know what? Let's try Spectre and make him how. Now, I don't know how much you pull from, you know, quote unquote, the pre-birth stuff. But I could see them actually going specifically with animated because I don't think they'd ever do it in live action. But specifically with animated i could see them going let's give this a shot we have a story we can tell if we use the right feel here and i'm not as intimately familiar with said era to tell you you know which story do you pick up there which which one of those is ripe for an animated feature that has like a sort of beginning middle and end that could theoretically have connective tissue between an emerald twilight or sorry uh uh b- between a final night emerald twilight zero hour final night thing leading into a, a rebirth era film yeah i mean the good the, the good the good thing if whether it was animation animation or if they did go down the road again and you would obviously have a have to have a long-term plan and have and be successful to ever get to the fact get to the part where you could make how the specter if you'd wanted to in a live action that would be relatively easy to pull off from the perspective that it's not like you need to keep it going very long I mean, you really, you. But the other thing is, you'd have to get him into, you'd have to get him into that position, which would almost be another DC movie, and then you'd have, and then you could have one really big movie with dealing with some really interesting things, maybe, maybe like the Soul War or something when he teams up with the Justice League, something where either way you do a one big, you could get away with probably one big moment or movie with Hal as the Spectre, and then if you wanted to go into Rebirth and bring and bring him back, you could. So that's the right. one good. That's the one good thing about that period is that you wouldn't need to have. It's not like there's not that many important consequential stories that happen when Hal is a Spectre that have had long-term ramifications where you feel like, oh, if you're going to do our time as Hal is a Spectre, you have to do this. I, so I think you could work around it and make it succinct or abridged. 
Yeah, sorry, I'm pulling up City of Demons now to see what the rating is. Age 16 and up, according to Voodoo. I don't know if that's an official. It says 16 and 16 and up. But yeah, it's it's City of Demons is. Whew. Anyways, um, okay, is that it for? I think this so. Season? Yeah, you want to roll into Lance? Let's roll into Lance. All right. Long-time listener, first-time writer here. I wanted to respond to Ken's question from episode 457, asking you to rank the Kyle runs. I'm currently at Blackest Night in the read-through of my Kyle collection and thought it'd be fun to rank the runs up to that point. Favorites, uh, number one, the Winnick Banks Eagle Sham run. Surprising no one. I agree that the power of Ion and Brothers Keeper stories were powerful moments. What puts it on top for me is how we are shown Kyle's growth as a hero and as a person. This is a book about work-life balance, healthy relationships, and fun yet challenging adventures that produce a version of Kyle who knows himself better than when it started. Number two, the Tomasi Gleason run is the one I'm currently reading, and it's like a breath of fresh air considering what came before. I did skip, skip countdown, though. Uh, Tomasi's Kyle is more self-assured and shows solid leadership and teamwork skills. I love the, the look and feel of this Kyle, but I would like to see more interesting constructs. The Mars Banks run was better than I expected, especially with its balance of action and character exploration. Solid art. Visually, this is my definitive Kyle, and the constructs are pretty creative, if occasionally too insistent about his attraction to women. Least favorites. The Ranthanagar War by Gibbons and uh, Reese isn't really a Kyle run, but one of his more high-profile appearances. He doesn't really do much here that couldn't have been done by someone else. I do think that the only thing cuter than how much Kyle wants to impress Captain Comet is that he does. Uh, this is also my earliest record of uh, Ivan, Ivan Reese drawing a lantern in a book, which is pretty cool. Number two... The Rad Burchett Bosch run was kind of forgettable. Amon Sur was a great idea for a generational counterpart to both Kyle and Avin Sur. So it's too bad Lara killed him when she did. I think this would have made more of an impact if the stakes had been higher or clearer. But we take what we are given and won the end of GL Volume 3, Ion Mini, Tales of the Core by Mars Ross Tocini Reese had such a drop in quality from the Mars Banks run that I separated it out. Personally, I blame the amount of time since he wrote the book for the drop in quality. And this is Chad interjecting here, as well as editorial. Um, that was also a huge part of that. I generally enjoy the art and love the second Ion look. Sadly, it's not enough to save Kyle's complete regression as a character. I get that not everyone's a good character writer, but editor and over, ever, oh, there he goes, and editorial overstep with the Ion mini. But at that point, uh, so he he did mention that we didn't we need some kind of impressive display of power to save the book and we didn't really get that either so I'm left wanting more but not in a good way and then he has some questions for us so I'm a little out of breath I'll let you respond to some of that <laughs> yeah man uh I'm, I'm gonna make this relatively quick as it's later in the evening here uh I would still put the Mars Banks run number one I don't, to me, it's like that's how it started, and that's to me when I think of Kyle, I think of the Mars Banks run, and I think that is probably my favorite. Uh, it's interesting that he, even though let's say we know based on where he is, I guess maybe it makes sense because since obviously he hasn't read any of the New Guardian stuff yet, I guess I would probably put 
That's a tough one where, who I would rank second. Um, there was some good stuff in the Winnick run. And that's obviously where the central power battery got recreated. Uh, but, and uh, the Guardians got brought back. Well, not the Guardians, but uh, but the power got returned. So that's and how the Spectre had a role in that run, too. It's to me, it's interchangeable that in the Tomasi Gleason run. Uh, I think I like the story, many of the stories better in the Tomasi Gleason run. And and that was it was kind of a cool era to be reading Green Lantern core stuff. But it that's pretty interchangeable. Looking at the way he ranked the uh, I didn't I do have some I don't know if I have all the Ranthanagar war books. I know it didn't impress me. It wasn't. I think that's fair where it is. I probably will. I pro, I might put the 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 Rob run is is my least favorite because the book went out pretty much with a thud, which is one of the reasons we got rebirth. So probably based on the way he had them ranked, I would just swap out and put the Rob run as my least favorite. Yeah, um, I would point Lance towards and and Lance, I'm sure you're probably already aware of it, um, just given how long you've been listening to the show and stuff. But uh, our friend who passed away a while back, Sean Engel, did a podcast for the Two True Freaks Network called Just One of the Guys. And actually, Lance, I think you might have listened to that. I don't I think I might remember hearing your name and some of the feedback. I don't I don't remember. But I think if anybody is going to get people to take another look or a different look at the eras of Kyle or eras of Green Lantern just in general that they're not the biggest fan of, like the Rab uh, era. I know Sean wasn't particularly a fan of that going into it either. Uh, And I don't think he was a fan of it coming out of it, but I think he had a different perspective on it coming out of it uh, after he reviewed it than when he went in. Um, So it's probably worth listening to some of those episodes to see if maybe there's some nuggets of stuff worth peeling back from that era. And of course, it's just nice to hear Sean's voice when you go listen to this, some of those old, era, uh, those old episodes of just one of the guys. I know, for instance, I will be very soon in the mail because I ordered a bunch of stuff online. Uh, I just recently got uh, Guy Gardner Warrior number 43. And uh, number 44 is on its way to me in the mail because... Uh, those are the last two issues I need to complete my Guy Gardner run. Uh, and after I have that, I'm going to start reading through it and then simultaneously listening to old episodes of just one of the guys when Sean covered that stuff um, as I go. So I would definitely recommend listening to, if you can find the uh, archives of just one of the guys, uh, not just to, to Lance, because like I said, he may already be aware of it, but anybody out there who feels uh, in a similar way to this sort of era of Green Lantern. Nicely done. Uh, he's got some questions here for us. He says, uh, if you could have DC make three Lantern books that you wanted, what would they be? Which characters would go where? Who, if anyone, would you leave on the shelf? And what would they do? I don't know that we have time to get into the specifics of all of that, but I think the gist of it we can get into, of course. Three, uh, three Lantern books you wanted. What would they be and what's the gist of them? Well, I could be really selfish and go for a Blue Lantern book, but I let's let's do something we've asked for for a long time, which was a Tales of the Core book. And just have Agreed. A, that's one of mine. I support you. Yes. So let's just have a an ongoing a monthly book which deals with different cores and of the different parts of the emotional spectrum. They and it can be and they and those stories can vary. They can be just about. One core can just be about one character. They could be team ups between you know different members, especially you know let, let's have uh, 
Blee's and Sam Walker team up for a story or something like that. I think that would be, I think there's a lot of good that could be done in that. And so I would, I would, I would do that. I don't really, it's hard at this point because we've gotten so much stuff that's not been good that it's really, it's really hard. Uh, I guess part of me would say a Sinestro book because we know how good the Sinestro book was when uh, Bun was writing it, that I guess it, a book that we ne- you never would have thought was going to work, that you never would have thought anybody would care about. And it was probably going to be because we've seen so many villain books come and go for a long time in comics and they almost never last. And they mostly they're not that interesting. But we know, as we've said before, it's like the, the Sinestro book was like the best Green Lantern book. And there were like five at the time, <laughs> at least when it, when that book first started, there were still four of the Green Lantern books. And the Sinestro book was the best one. So I'll say the Sinestro book. And then just a, let's say a Green Lantern core book, which would, I guess, for me, I'd say focus on the four Corsmen. Corman is it really should be pronounced. But again, to me, it's just to make it sound like the four horsemen. It sounds more like that when you say Corsman. I almost said a Jessica Yellow Lantern book, but I figured she'd be in the Sinestro book. And that's that's the reason why I opted not to, to choose that one. So I agree with you. Definitely Tales of the Core for sure. And I also agree with you on the Green Lantern core book. Um, I will agree with you on your third choice of the Sinestro book, assuming that the earth based Green Lanterns, i.e. the Green Lanterns assigned to earth and patrolling earth get fair and equal time in whatever existing justice league title exists at the moment. Because there are times where it goes super heavy into the big three, just like it always does, or follows a random tangent. Let's make a Justice League book where everybody gets some equal time. And occasionally we have story arcs that are about or central focused on a specific member of the league or something they've done or whatever. And they're more of our POV character. That's fine. But let's not get stuck on that. So, yeah, assuming the human lanterns that are assigned to the Earth and Justice League get that time in that book, then, yeah, I would agree with everything you said. If not, then I would want a Green Lantern Corps, a Tales of the Lan- uh, of the Corps, and a Green Lantern book. I could see that, too. Just, no, says, gre- just no Green Lantern book featuring Simon and Kelly. Sorry. Sorry, uh, Lance. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know he didn't say Simon necessarily, but yeah. Uh, oh, I guess we should go into maybe who we would have. No. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. It's just, so for me, if it's a green lantern book, I think I've said it before. First of all, bye-bye Simon. Don't care. Don't need to ever see him again. He can, as far if you're not going to kill him, you can relegate him to occasionally. We see him. If you have an interesting story, doubt it. But if you have an interesting story to tell about him, Make it a tale in one of the anthology stories in the Tales of the Core book. Um, he can hang out with Sodom Yad because, <laughs> and, and then we see both of them as often, even though Sodom Yad is still inherently more interesting. <laughs> Green Lantern, I think, is Hal and Jess. Uh, and uh, Green Lantern Core is John, Kyle, Guy, Joe. You know? Almost, you know, it's, I. I did forget about Joe and not on purpose, but yeah, you're right. I forgot about, I, for, I did forget about Joe. Yeah. And but so that's the only question he asked us. And then he answers his question. So I'll read that. He says, for me, I'd have a Green Lantern book with Hal, John, Guy, Kelly and Ty. This would be your standard punch em up adventure book that brings the original three together. 
as they show the new kids, the ropes, kind of like the Newsboy Legion meets Green Lantern, the animated series coming face to face with new and classic villains. This would be my jumping on point for newer lapsed fans, as well as comfort reading for longtime fans. I'd also I'd also have a core book featuring Simon, Jessica, Carol, Jade and Obsidian with our favorite alien character cycling through. This would be a political thriller whose adventures explore things like how sectors work. I imagine not unlike political districting in the United States and the difference between Green Lanterns and their magical counterparts, other core and organizations like the Reach, Dark Stars and Legion Rebels. I think the War of Light meets uh, I think think the War of Light meets Star Wars meets the 1993 Trinity event. My third one would be an action adventure book that explores the boundaries of and new ways to use abilities based on the emotional spectrum. I could see Kyle, Joe and Virtue from the movement. Don't know who that is coming together over time as they complete quests related to the emotional entities. Totally similar to 52 with aspirations from uh, inspirations from brightest day and the authority. This would be the kind of book that lays out the white lantern power set or exposes the Guardian's less-than-benevolent political machinations while exploring interpersonal dynamics between the protagonists in interesting, meaningful ways. I also have thoughts on Alan Scott, The Thorn Run, and Kelly, but I've already gone on long enough. Great job on the cast, y'all. Lance. Thanks, Lance. This is obviously a big episode for Jade fans. These might be like, of the of the 10 Jade fans out there, we got two of them chiming in today. <laughs> I will never forgive you, Jenny Lynn Hayden. Ever. Probably not the same Jenny Lynn Hayden anyway. I refuse. Part of that, by the way, guys, I say that all the time. Part of it's in jest because clearly I like Jade and want her to stick around, but still hate her. <laughs> but I agree. I agree with him. And now he's got me looking up whoever Virtue is from the movement. Don't look too hard, Chad. We've been recording a long time. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I just. Oh, 2013 title called The Movement. All right. I have to look that up. Didn't read it. Okay. Something for me to look into. All right. What else, man? We got these these uh, this feedback. Oh, by the way, Mark Cook wrote in, the guy who won our contest. Congratulations, Mark. He did give us kind of feedback. He says, I didn't think the last episode could get any better when you figured out that small writing in issue eight. Then I heard it won the contest. And he gives us his address, which is. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to send all your hate mail to him for winning the contest. Uh, well. We, we can do these things quick. And I mean quick, Chad. I mean no long soliloquies or, cha- well, or we tangents. Can, we, can talk, we can talk about the trailer some other time, but I think we should talk about the other thing. And the trailer was the thing I was more interested in talking about, not that I have much to add. So go ahead. Do, do, your, do what you – say what you want to say, and then, we'll, and then we'll wrap this sucker up. Yeah. Um, let me just pull the actual post up here so I don't get my facts wrong. So it was posted um, yesterday uh, in the morning. Uh, George Perez posted this and we know a few uh, years ago, George Perez kind of down tempoed or stopped some of his involvement and in terms of drawing and stuff like that is things have uh, been getting harder for him with failing vision and other infirmaries. But he says um, on November 29th, he received confirmation that undergoing surgery for a blockage in his liver that he has stage three pancreatic cancer. And I'm reading straight from his post here, which his page is public. So just look up George Perez. You will see this post. I don't need to share the link or anything. I'll just read this portion of it. He says it is surgically inoperable. 
and his estimated life expectancy is between six months to a year. He has been given the option of chemotherapy and or radiation therapy, but after weighing all the variables and assessing just how much of his remaining days would be eaten up by doctor visits, treatments, hospital stays, and dealing with the often stressful and frustrating bureaucracy of the medical system, he has opted to just let nature take its course and will enjoy whatever time he has left as a full, as fully as possible with his wife, his beautiful wife of over 40 years, his family, his friends, and his fans. So George Perez is not gone from this world, but uh, he has, he's got a ticking clock on him and um, he's not going to stick around and, and draw, draw it out and uh, make the last time he has on this planet uh, any, le- any more uncomfortable or difficult or stuck in hospitals for the rest of his life as, uh, as he makes, wants. Yeah, which makes perfect sense, really. I mean, yeah, all, really I mean if you, especially, I mean, first of all, pancreatic cancer, is, is that's one of the worst, yeah. from a, for usually from a life expectancy perspective. But when you get diagnosed, it's very rarely that, forget about beating it, it's very rarely you have a long time with pancre- pancreatic cancer. Sometimes you do. So that's 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 tragic by itself. And then the but I, I the decision makes sense, because if you had six months to live, would you rather because, you know, what chemo can do to you? Yeah. So, so, I mean, at least would you rather at least if you have six months or a year, or at least try to be able to in, live and in, get as much out of it as you can, even with, you know, obviously, as time goes by, the pain will get. But as much as you can still function, at least have a short period where you can still do things as opposed to being weak and. So I think I, I, w- I would concur with, you know, if I was in that position, I think I would I, w- I would do the same. Obviously, a huge imprint in the comics industry, just just thinking about different, you know, different things. A lot of them key Marvel stories, like Infinity Gauntlet, Hulk Future Imperfect. Take big ties to the to Avenger stories and JLA and the Avengers and Crisis, right? Yeah. Yes. Crisis, Crisis and Titans. Yep. Titans. So. Pretty much, it's hard to imagine either. If you look back at not like the last ten years as much clearly, but you go back to like the previous decades, like twenty, thirty years and stuff behind that, that there's a lot of stuff. Almost every major storyline or major, uh, from major character we would think of that he's been involved with drawing. Obviously, the Kung Fu, Dilly Hands of Kung Fu and Shang Chi, and I almost forgot about the fact that he was involved in creating White Tiger and spider-man that that was a i always liked white tiger the the original i mean not that I, I don't know much about the newer white tiger but the original hector i want to say his name was hector i don't remember now it's been so long but the but the male version of of white tiger that was in i think spectacular spider-man i think is the book that he was i think he premiered in that book but yeah that's that's definitely not not any kind of news you'd ever want to hear for anybody, especially somebody who we have known and enjoyed for a long period of time. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Look, guys, I don't have I don't I don't have a story about George Perez. I never met the man. I never shook his hand. Never gave him a chance. Never had a chance to thank him for his work. Obviously, uh, whatever avenue is available to me to write something to him or something, I'd I'd do that. Of course, I'm not going to request an interview with a man. I'm not going to ask him to spend an hour of his six to a year left uh, just shooting the shit with me. That's uh, not something you do to somebody, but uh, I, I wish I did. You kind of hear, you kind of hear stories and in, yeah, you were mentioning a lot of his credited work with crisis and everything. I mean, guys, 
I think everybody that listens to this show is a comic book fan in some way or another. So it's very hard for us to think about, you know, from the perspective of non-comic fans. But I, I told, you know, when this happened, I, I made a post in, in my work Slack for those, um, for those people who are employed by my company who may be a comic book fan. And I don't know, I figured they'd want to know. So I, I posted about it, but in that I mentioned for those, I described it in layman's terms as, Look, if you've seen comic book art in public, there is a good chance it was drawn by George Perez because there are two people that DC and Marvel primarily use, mostly specifically here I'm referring to DC, for things like marketing and uh, merchandising and stuff. And that was Jose Luis Garcia Lopez and George Perez. Those are the two biggest names in comic books, especially in terms of comic book art that the general public would see outside of a comic in a comic shop. So the man's work is iconic in more ways than just to us as comic book fans. Um, And every story I hear about the man, and I'm not talking about since this news came out, it has been positive. I think at the worst, and this is not even the worst, all you ever hear is about this uh, funny little fan uh, older older gentleman fan roaming the uh, floor of the Comic-Con in a Hawaiian shirt, talking up people in various cosplay or digging through back issue bins with the rest of us. Um, I know Shannon, uh, who is one of the owners of the comic book store I go to, Bat City Comic Professionals, was telling a story on social media about her going to a con dressed to somebody and, you know, this guy recognized her and was talking to her about it. And then she's, she, you know, he said, come by, come by and see me tomorrow. Uh, are you going to be wearing this? And she said, no, I'm going to be, I'm going to be um, dressed as a uh, Deathstroke, a gender bending Deathstroke, um, not Ravage or anything, but just Deathstroke. And that really caught his attention and talked to her or whatever. So when she got back to her friends, uh, you know, and they were like, hey, who are you talking to? What's taking so long? And she was talking about this conversation he was like, well, who are you talking to? Can you point him out to me? And she pointed him out and it's this older guy in the Hawaiian shirt. And he goes, Shannon, that's George Perez. <laughs> so <laughs> this is a guy who clearly, you know, Shannon at, at the time, obviously Shannon knows who she is now, who he is now running a comic shop and everything. But like, obviously Shannon had, uh, you know, no idea he was George Perez. I think he probably knew she had no idea he he was George Perez, but was just having a fun conversation with her and listening to her love of this character that obviously he had uh, some involvement in uh, and, uh, and just made it really easy and simple. And I think that's a a, Shannon story. I told, I think is the one that uh, hit me the most when I was reading um, among my other friends who have their own George Perez stories. Um, I thought was really cool. Just, this is just a guy who loved comics and loved this industry and loved everything about it and just sort of skirted the bullshit and was just here for the good stuff. And uh, he will be missed. Yes, he will. And again, he's not going yet, but, but, but it's, but it's sometimes, but in a way, sometimes it's good to uh, reflect and appre- and gives you time to appreciate things a little bit more. Yeah. You know, yeah. He's- uh, yeah, we're not we're not sending him off yet, but I mean, sometimes I mean, I, I think I agree with you. And in, in, in a way, it's almost good to treat it like that, because I'm not saying forget the man while he's still here. But, uh, you know, if we kind of remember him in this way, you know, we uh, kind of respect him and his the time he has left and let him 
you know, be with his family and friends and stuff. He did mention in that post, and by the way, guys, you know, like I said, George Perez, just go look him up. You'll find him. But he did say that he hopes to make a con appearance or two or just one and just one final big signing uh, and give hugs to people and all that stuff before he goes, uh, you know, body and spirit willing. But yeah, just uh, really big news. And uh, we should definitely we should I thought we should talk about it. So, yes, good call. Very good call. And we will save trailer talk for next time. And by the way, that 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 guys is the I don't know that it's it's a trailer. It's it's like the first few seconds of the movie slash a teaser for the sequel to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yes. So we'll probably so assuming we record next week, we'll be talking about that right before the uh, the movie going world goes crazy when far when uh, No Way Home finally opens. <laughs> Yeah. As, as it's in the now the like the 200 to 240 million dollar opening weekend domestic range that's where the current projections find it and rumor has it i think it sold like about 150 million dollars in pre-sales already uh so yeah so spider-man everywhere <laughs> spider-man sure. is running right. wild if uh, if people want to pre-watch that trailer before they we talk next time or, or do we, we also know what the episode's going to be about or no no, we have no idea what we're doing next, actually. Actually, no. Well, if we, well, no, we'll talk about this off the, but when we're done, because we don't know. So let's not even. I'll, I'll post about it on Twitter when we do know, so you guys can get your feedback in. <laughs> so if, if people, if people want to write in about the trailer or whatever we determine after we stop recording, <laughs> or this going, episode. Yeah. Uh, or this episode, how do they do so, Mark? Lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com can follow us on twitter like us on facebook hashtag glcast you'll find us we're on apple podcast spotify and stitcher so please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on and last but not least if you'd like to text us or leave us a voicemail the number is 708 lantern 708 lantern and let us know what you think all right good night everybody good night